Hi, this is Mastin Kip, and you listen to Sarah and Stacy on the way. Make sure to stay open to what you're learning today. Even if you heard it before, maybe it's time for you to hear it again. I'm Sarah Raggi. And I'm Stacy Griffith. And this is The, the way. way. The behind-the-scenes methods of today's health and wellness superstars. I'm really looking forward to having Mastin on. Me because too. I just feel like everything he's about to drop on us is so close to home for me right now. Um, and this whole idea of trauma and how it affects your, um, you know, your everything, your life, your career, your relationship choices. Yeah. Also, he speaks very articulately with a lot of knowledge and he speaks very fast. So you know how sometimes on the podcast you can put... 15 seconds faster or 30 seconds faster. Like, do not <laughs> do that. Right. Slow this one down. <laughs> He's just like, I think you might want to listen to this a couple of times just mm-hmm. because... He's going to spit out a lot of information that is really intense and complex. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to hear it. But like the first time you hear it, it's so, it's like so he moves at the speed of sound. Right. Like he knows so much. Well, he's so he's a functional life coach. Mm-hmm. However, he has no certifications to actually be a functional life coach. That's why I love him. <laughs> right. <laughs> he um, so he kind of preaches that he is a product of his growing up with a mother and a father, a father who was a doctor, a mother who was kind of woo woo Mm -hmm. and into more holistic world. And he always wanted to know why, always asked why, what was the root cause? So he read thousands of books, thousands of books. He's a big, big reader. And, um, and so now he has created this sort of methodology for how to move yourself from trauma to actually living a whole um, prosperous life. Right. It's a like a mind science, mm-hmm. mind and feeling science, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. And he literally travels the world and does these thought leadership um, talks. And, you know, he's been on, he's done TED talks. He's the real deal. He's, so, in, he's intense, but yeah. it's like the kind of intense that you we all need to hear. Absolutely. And it's cool that he has a space for people to go to where, well, not only can you hear, listen, read, you can go do his workshops, which we I should know. actually do. I know. You together. can go do his workshops now. That might be kind of fun. It's all online. I'll so. go with you. All right. All right. Let's bring him in. Yeah. Mass and Kip, guys. Sarah, you're probably on the second one. One, two, three, four. Check, check. You're two. Six, you're three. Sarah's on three. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. We're good. Okay. I wish we had two more mics for your entourage. You're like rolling in hard. <laughs> they don't need to talk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, guys, yeah. This is so exciting. We have Mass and Kip today. Very exciting. What's up, guys? How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be in New York. This is the best time of year to be here. He's, it, a, North, it, it he's a North Carolina boy. I, I am now. I would never would have thought I would have ended up there. But. <laughs> Will you tell us about like what I, North Car- where you're living right now is Ash- Ash- Asheville. Ash- not Nashville. Asheville, Asheville North, North Carolina. Carolina. They dropped the nah. It's the Austin of the south okay That's oh, wow. it, but smaller it's awesome got it it's so amazing. cool i would and, love to just li- live there and why are you there now well <laughs> um <laughs> i was in la for 17 years um oh. that's where my heart still is i just renewed my california driver's license last week um and uh jenna my partner we've been partner for 10 years now a couple years back you know we have a digital business she wanted to be closer to her family and they live near Asheville. and i was like hell no i'm not going <laughs> to the south because to me the south is racism and all that type of stuff Mm-hmm. But what I realized is actually pockets of pro- progress with pockets of people who aren't 
as progressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Asheville is full of all like when I saw the Hare Krishnas dancing downtown, I was like, okay, you're like, in. I'm in. This is fine. <laughs> That's the Laguna awesome. Beach that you have. Uh, yeah. Hare Krishnas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then like ten miles outside of town is the huge Confederate flag that I flip off every time I drive by on the highway. You know? Right. So, wow. That's... But Asheville proper is full of amazing souls. And so we moved there to be closer to her family, which is all good. Okay. Nice. Well, yeah. it looks like we have to, maybe we should bring the way to, how do you say it again? Asheville. Asheville. It's, <laughs> it's, it's great to be there the fall, the spring, and the winter or summertime, but just don't go in the winter because it's awful. Yeah, burr. Yeah. Burr, burr. <laughs> well, that's when you should have your residency in LA. Exactly. And then you can be by coastal. Yeah. And you're reading my mind. That's one of my goals. Yeah. You know, Ash- well, New York and Asheville winters are just, no, thank you. Right. Yeah. Well, right. that's, I mean, I'm a California girl, so I, it took me many years to embrace winter and I still like right now I'm okay. But when winter hits, I just start to get twitchy exactly. and I like need to find mm-hmm. the sun. Yeah. I'm a complete sun chaser. I so. do not blame you for that. Me too. Mm-hmm. Wow. So tell us about like, how, how did you become Mastin Kip? <laughs> uh, well, um, how did I become Mastin Kip? Well, I was born, I guess, that way. First um, of all, that's an amazing name. Amazing. It's my real name. It's not a stage say name. say that. No, but it's, that's like destiny a, right there right. in the bottle. Yeah. Like, we're going to have a kid, and his name's going to be Mastin, and he's going to be famous. <laughs> that's what's happening. Yeah, my parents were both uh, scientists. My father had a PhD in uh, biology, and my mom had uh, almost a master's. And um, I was raised in the scientific process, but my mom was also uh, had a lot of chronic pain. She was bedridden. She was on fentanyl since it came out. Uh, so she was on that for like decades. From the uh, time you were little. Yeah, yeah. She was. She was. She had a broken back before I was born, so I wasn't even supposed to be born. But my mom was also very woo-woo, so she kind of brought the kind of spirituality and this more of the somatic awareness as a kid. That's not what I called it back then, but what I call it now. And my dad was very much hardcore science, and so I was kind of raised in this sort of like woo-woo science nice. world as a kid. So when I started getting into you know adulthood and stuff like that and reading personal development books, I would always question, well, how can you just say that? Right. Where's which, the, which where's books? the data? Does any data, right. any book, it could be something Tony Robbins said from stage yeah, mm. or it could be a Wayne Dyer book. And I always felt like I need to investigate these claims. And most of what most people say is accurate. But as I started on my own journey and then started working with people, I started realizing that some of the things I was teaching or trying to help people with wasn't working. And so I started asking why a lot because I'm curious, scientific mm-hmm. method, you want to figure out what's going on here. And I started to realize that everybody has something hurtful they've been through. Mm-hmm. And whatever that hurtful thing was and how the people around them responded and what was mm-hmm. it like before the hurt and then after the hurt really dictates their ability to do simple things like achieve a goal. Right. So you're a pain body believer then? Oh, well, I would say I, I believe in, I, uh, I would call it trauma, emotional yeah. trauma and all the different types of trauma. Sure. Um, and, and that's the stuff that holds us back. So when you look at like mm-hmm. someone who's like, oh, just do what I did and you can have the same outcome. It's like, well, do we have the same history, the same background, the same socioeconomic, you know, yeah. situation? Were you in the project and I was in a, you know, privileged upper middle class neighborhood? Right, yeah. Like what's the gender bias here? Like there was, there was like, none of that was being discussed. And right. so I just started going into more and more of the evidence and started to realize like, oh, wow, this field of neuroscience mm-hmm. really starts to explain what works and what doesn't work in personal development. And then I started teaching that more. And then all of a sudden, you know, we discovered more about what trauma is and all the data behind trauma and then trying to figure out how to bring that to the world. And that's kind of what's happening now. So but how old were you when all this teaching started? Uh, I'm born that way. Yeah. Well, because my mom was in the hospital from like when I was born, basically. So mm-hmm. I was always telling the doctors they were wrong. <laughs> like, wow. Like when I was seven, you know, like that can't be true. Let's try this, you know, like. Because I'm not anti-doctor, but they're just so overloaded with patients and stuff like that. And they have a certain model that they work on 
And I'm just sitting there watching my mom in pain and what's working and what's not working. And right. so I learned from a, from the womb to be an advocate. And was your dad also like, that's not going to work? Big like, time. Were you, you guys were like a team? Yeah, big time. Yeah. So I was born a patient advocate. I didn't realize that there was a thing called healthcare and the healthcare system and you know diagnoses and all the things, mm-hmm. financial, economic agendas and stuff like that. It was just, I want to help my mom get better. Yeah. Right? You know, and that's still my main intention is to help people get better. I right. love it. So my childhood trauma has become my profession, like most of us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. There you go. So are, are you a, when you say trauma, are, is this something that because it's funny, we had another guest on recently where we're discussing the same thing. Is this something that we might not remember, but it's from childhood? Like, yeah. is it an event that we kind of need to tap into? It's not something we remember. Kind, so trauma is one of the probably most misunderstood things out there. Okay. And the thing that made me the most aware of how misunderstood it was, was the whole Dr. Ford Kavanaugh like debacle that went down, regardless of your politics on it. My main takeaway was people do not understand the nature of trauma and traumatic memory because mm-hmm. if they did, none of this would be happening the way that it's happening. Right. So when you look at like how people perceive what trauma is, just the general public, they think it's like abuse or sexual assault, which right. certainly are traumas or you know being in the war and like, stuff like drastic that. and big and traumatic, capi- we like call them capital major. T. Yeah, capital T traumas. Yeah. Those are certainly traumas. But there's other types of trauma. There's emotional trauma. Uh, and then there's like unintentional trauma. Like maybe your parents were awesome, but no one paid attention to you. So you experience chronic emotional neglect, even though no one was mean to you. Right. Um, maybe you weren't believed. We're like, high five. Yeah, exactly. we have the same up. We have the same upbringing. So <laughs> exactly. we're like always aligned with that stuff. Exactly. So like that's a form of trauma. So when you look at like the definition of trauma and then maybe the DSM, which is the, where the, it's the book where all the diagnoses come from, it's more about shock trauma which right. is like something happened and you have post-traumatic stress, right, right? right? Events. My definition of trauma is any event or experience that chronically dysregulates our emotions, our brain, our body, our soul, our spirit, and, and that's really what it is. So it could be a breakup, it could be a divorce, it could be um, you know uh, a grief process. So literally anything that takes you out of being regulated or stable in mm-hmm. your blood pressure, in your brain waves, mm-hmm. in your emotional set, in your day-to-day life, that is a traumatic event. And how we recover from that is also very misunderstood because it's mostly the quality of our relationships before, during, and after that enable us to have either post-traumatic growth or post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. And so it's very misunderstood. And so if you have you know anxiety, depression, stress, insomnia, uh, comparison, if you have uh, imposter syndrome and that type of stuff, those are all symptoms that there's something traumatic underneath. Right. And so by that definition, I think we all have something. Right. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, okay. So let, are you a doctor? No, I have no degrees or... Right. So, well, you were born a doctor, I think. Kind of. Like, I mean, apply, Doogie Howser over here. Yeah. Well, because it was, my, it was big it, stakes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Stacey, life you also always say that you're a non-certified life coach. Yeah. Yeah. Which are the best kinds. I mean, if you look back at like the great minds in mental health. So we talk about William James, who's like the father of American psychology. He was at Harvard, right? He was not certified by the American Psychiatric Association because it didn't exist. <laughs> he was just working with people. Same thing with Milton Erickson, who was one of the greats in therapy, or Virginia Satir, Fritz Perls, all the greats. They were just interested in working with people. Right. And when you look at like why they were effective is because they created safety between them and their clients. Mm. And sa- we we're starting exactly. to realize that safety is the treatment, not a certification. Because if you're doing, e- I call them the DBDs. So CBT, DBT, CBD, EMDR, the DBD, all the different th- pro- yeah. protocols and things are out there. Yeah. If you don't have a safe connection with the practitioner, then it doesn't matter. Exactly. Right. Right. So it's the safety that's the treatment and you don't need a certification in that. Right. Right. That that's what annoys me when people 
spend $69 on life coaching and then they call themselves a life coach. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and anyone can get one. But look, it, like if you have a lot of great life experience and you're a good people person and you think that silly little certification is going to change like your ability mm -hmm. to call yourself a life coach that like you're totally validating that point mm -hmm. is that and this is why I always say I'm an uncertified life coach like there's you, I can't go to school to learn what I want to do exactly mm -hmm. it does not exist exactly right. and even if it did it would be something we would create exactly mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah. totally. there's just there the way you approach life is the way I approach life also and I think Sarah we all have that trauma base or you know because you have trauma from your mom from having oh, yeah. to heal your mom most people have trauma from their mom but and then we <laughs> just over the evolution of time as our be our beings evolved love helping people yeah like i love helping people mm -hmm. i grew up that way mm -hmm. i came out of the womb that way i was born that way swinging a tennis racket and smiling at people and shaking hands and calling people my friend that's awesome. And, you're a, and then that combined with the fact you're a seeker and obviously you're a seeker i'm a seeker and you're just seeking for information and ways to okay, there's a problem, let me figure out how to dig and evolve and move and who can I talk to or work with or hire to help me like keep pushing mm -hmm. that envelope. Right, the knowledge is power. I don't even, I can't even imagine the number of books you've read in your lifetime. <laughs> so many. You're like a walking well, thesaurus. What's interesting is, you know, um, cause I like to focus, I love research. So like PubMed is like my homie, like <laughs> I do so much research there. And I was recently in a hospital in a cardiac floor where like you're supposed to have like experts in the heart. Now, what I know about the heart is the vagus nerve controls heart rate variability, and there's two parts of the vagus nerve. One's myelinated, one's not myelinated. The myelinated part helps us have our ventral vagal system for social engagement, health growth, and restoration. You have to activate it if you want to heal. So I was talking to the cardiologist, and I said, hey, so what's your plan to really reinforce a myelinated vagal pathway, uh, you know, uh, ventral vagal sort of uh, health growth and restoration plan? And he looked at me like I had three eyeballs. <sighs> yeah. And he goes, what are you talking about? I said, Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because they're just, they're specialists and they tend to, because they're so busy working on what they're working on, they don't do the CE stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if they do, it's only within the context of an allopathic model because, you know, research takes 20 to 30 years to go mainstream, mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't think the people I'm working with, certainly not my mom, had that kind of time. Right. Right. You know, so it's, it's all about what works. And I think the most encouraging thing about what's happening today, both I think in mental health, personal development, but also finance is it's becoming a lot more data-driven. And I'll give you an example. So one of our partners is a company called ClearBank, and they provide revenue-based financing out of Toronto. And they look at like how much money you're bringing in in revenue, and they say, okay, we'll give you this much money for marketing based purely on data. Mm. Because they do a data-driven model, they are funding 10 times more women and minorities than almost anybody else because there's no gender bias, there's no racial bias. Right. It's just data. Numbers. Yeah. And wow. it also talks to you about who's really crushing it. But I think the same thing is happening in mental health where it doesn't matter if you have a PsyD, a PhD, a LCSW, LISW, or LMFT, or all that stuff. Do you help me? Yeah. Right. Because people want efficacy. They don't really care about the letters after their name. Right. And they want safety. Exactly. And so I think that like the data, the, so the data is there and people want those results. So if you're helping, if you have a, the sense of disclosure, like this is what I'm not trained in, I always disclose at our events, here's all the financial agendas in the room. <laughs> right. Here's what's happening. Like you will get an offer on the third day or whatever it is. Like I talk about all that type of stuff and we pay these people for this and we just out it. And if you can do that and then help people actually get a result and I'm not pretending to be a heart surgeon, mm -hmm. I'm actually <laughs> talking about only what my zone is and I'll refer out to that. Right. That's enough. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Um, yeah. And you know, like you said, you have uh, a history that you can't get a certification in. Can't get it. So besides this book, um, Claim Your Power, 
what do you do? What's your day to day like? Are you actually, I know you're a functional life coach. Are you actually coaching individual clients? Yes. Okay. So we and you have an online course. Multiple. So, okay. so I started out as a practitioner helping people with goal setting, which okay. turned eventually into trauma work, which I didn't mean for it to, it just, that's what needed to happen. And then I started to have a multi-million dollar business doing that work. And people started to realize, how do you make millions of dollars talking about trauma? Cause that doesn't seem like, because people think about trauma and they don't think about like successful business. They don't seem to go together. So people started asking me about how to do business stuff. And I started to realize that there's all these incredible practitioners who are primarily, most of the people who come to me are women. And I have the privilege of being a you know six foot five white guy. I grew up in the upper middle <laughs> class. No one ever told me to be quiet. I'm not scared of like the height and strength of the opposite sex. Like basically I Shrek, kind of <laughs> right. But I don't I don't have like a lot of the problems that my clients have. And I would right. hear over the last ten plus years, ten thousand client hours of like, wow, you're scared when you go into the, like you're in the parking garage. Like you carry the key between your hands. Like what's that about? Like, <sighs> I never even realized stuff like that happened. Mm -hmm. So I've had this view into mostly the female mind over the last 10 plus years. And what I started to realize was there's amazing practitioners who don't have the skill set because they're so focused on learning and helping that they're not focused on building a business. But they also, a lot of my clients, especially the, uh, the women, they have this energy that stuck, gets stuck right here in their, in their throat when they start thinking about going live on Instagram or live on Facebook or speaking up, right? <laughs> And I was like, what the hell is this? I'm like, we're well, pointing me... at Sarah, by the way, uh, in the studio. <laughs> I might need to talk after this. But, but I started to realize like I had a privilege that others didn't. So let me try to transfer this. So I started helping practitioners build their business, but with more of a trauma informed lens. So like when you have a hard time using your voice, what is that about? Why do you have a hard time receiving? Like maybe that's why you're not able to bring the money and stuff like that. And like a lot of times people are really surprised to realize that their money and mom and how that all correlates is very similar. <laughs> how your mom treats you is kind of how you treat money and stuff. Are you okay? Are you okay? Is everything? This is crazy. Yeah. We'll be right back after this <laughs> short commercial break from Zoloft. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. No, Xanax? we, Xanax? we've, Stacey and I have been talking offline about a lot of the same stuff. So yeah. it's just very, this podcast blows my mind. It every, really does. Every week I'm like, really? Like, yeah. I swear the universe sends us these guests and it's like, they I do. grow more from anything than this from anybody else. <laughs> no, but so awesome. does everybody else that's listening. Because we're also the reason why this always works, this triangle here, is because she's has her fears and they get stuck here. I'm the complete opposite. Last night I hosted a gala and I was emceeing and there were 500 people and we raised two hundred thousand dollars and I'm like, when's my next one? Yeah. Like, and I, mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm born to do it. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, are you nervous? I'm like, no, I, I want them to hurry so we can get it going. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why we have this yin yang thing going yeah. on. This like, you know, this chi balance. And yeah. I help her with her fears and she grounds me in my like frenetic, like all over the place, <laughs> post-it note brain. So it's like the perfect storm. Yeah. Maybe it she helps you slow down a little bit. She does. Well, yeah. she organizes me a lot. She yeah. like, Stacy, you got to sign the door. She's got it. big ideas. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> yeah, That's but it's fun. Awesome. But you know, this is so cool. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. keep going. Okay, well, no. So, so I started to see all these things yeah. and I was like, well, I'm not a business coach. And it's not my thing really, but I'm really good at it. Cause I used to be a manager in the music business. So I know about how to do big stuff like that. So I decided to roll out a business training, uh, that was trauma informed. That's called a rebel practitioner. And all of a sudden, like I started having PhDs and clinical social workers and, you know, just trauma informed life coaches who don't have credentials or whatever, like coming to me. And all of a sudden we had this other part of the business just started to blow up because they realized like, Oh, I've taken these business courses before. But no one told me that the reason why I know what to do, but I'm not doing it is because my nervous system is trying to keep me safe. How do I manage that? Mm 
Mm-hmm. So that's a whole other thing that started to roll out, and that's been a major focus. So, what's I, that program called again? Uh, it's called Rebel Practitioner. So and, and it's like a camp. You can go it's to a, it? It's a boot camp. It's an eight-week online boot camp that we do regularly um, to help practitioners build their business. But we have a predictive model because we can help you figure out. Okay, here's here's your attachment style. This is how you learn to relate to people, and based on your attachment style, here are going to be the specific blocks you're probably going to face. So someone can tell me five minutes of their history and I can go, this is probably going to be all your problems. And they go, oh, love because it. it's all based in neuroscience. Yeah. Right. So that kind of emerged as an accident because I love, my favorite thing is to just help people like process traumatic memory, break free, like have a huge you know, breakthrough and stuff like that. And then, you know, change their life. And it's fun to talk about business, but that's not like why I started it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But the need was there because there's all these amazing practitioners who can change lives who are like scared to speak up, scared to go live on Instagram and would rather talk about the worst trauma in the world from 30 years ago than like, hey guys, I'm on Instagram, hi. Yeah. Yeah. What's your your absolute favorite arm of your business? Um, Yes, I think it's the traumatic memory and processing that we do. Like I have a, a, I do it not all the time, but we have a seven day retreat called Awaken the Heart and it's like a, a trauma deep dive. And we go like, we can do probably, I'm not, this is not hyperbolic. 10 years of what you would accomplish in therapy in seven days because it's so systems and oriented. Like we know we go here, then we go here, then we go here. And it's very specific and it's a group. And the results that come out of that are amazing. I recently was with a client who has a significant complex trauma history who could never really um, manage her anxiety. Like she just, it would run her life. Mm -hmm. And then she would go depressive, right? So she was manic depressive or whatever. So we taught her basic nervous system self-regulation skills before we started to do the regression. And she went back to some of the hardest memories she's ever, never been able to access in therapy and stuff like that, regulated. Wow. Like she didn't lose it, right? So when I see that, I'm like, like that is the stuff that really just makes me like thrive. Moses, how does she go back? Um, How does she remember them? Well, is there so like a if meditation? I had, if, he has this Kool Aid thing. Yeah, that it's they a drink. cult. So yeah, what <laughs> happens? Um, <laughs> like, it costs eighty-five thousand dollars. No, um, <laughs> no uh, our process is relatively simple. I have a process I ca- uh, created called TMDR, which is Traumatic Memory Deconstruction and Resolution. So we create safety and context beforehand. Uh, beforehand, so there's three C's: context, uh, communication, and connection. All three of those things has to be in any type of intervention. If there's not the right context, you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to communicate and make what's implicit explicit, it gets stuck in the body. And then obviously, you know, connection has to be there too. And so we create a lot of context and connection ahead of time. And then we, through the TMDR process, I am able to help people regress to things that they wouldn't be normally able to access because they're feeling safer than they normally would. And then we talk about it and we go to it and we love it and we befriend it. And the, the reason why some people will say like, you don't need to go back to traumatic memory and I would say that's a complete bullshit because what you do is when you go back to a traumatic memory um, as an adult or as a y- older person, you're able to go back there and complete whatever was incomplete in that memory mm. with more control and agency now. Because mm-hmm. back then, most people were immobilized in some way. And if they can go back and claim that memory with control, power, and agency, that's how they befriend it. That's how they start to let it go. And so it's a, it's a very structured process. You know, the people that are there, like I have like really trained mental health professionals and trauma informed practitioners who have like decades of experience. So Mm -hmm. we keep the room really well regulated and safe and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, that's so, that's so amazing. Wow. Wow. And so we're obviously going to have all this stuff, all the information Mm -hmm. on our Instagram and on our website, but I feel like every time I watch, I'm a, I've been Tony Robbins since I'm in my early twenties and I'm going to be 52. Wow. 
52. Um, so I've been listening <laughs> to him amazing. for... Amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you. Wow. She's um, very healthy. There's a lot of things going on here. Flesh, makeup, <laughs> urban decay. I got a lot going on. <laughs> Dr. Paul Frank. Um, thank you, though. Uh, so since then, I have always wondered who is the next Tony Robbins going to be? And I really think you're like a blend between Eckhart Tolle and, <laughs> and Tony Robbins. Okay, wow. And I've never met anybody in the last 20 years that has this type of heart that means a lot and yeah. mind yeah because well, you know you meet a lot of people that are very informative and they have a great delivery and stuff but like your compassion and your heart it like you you like have an aura around you what color studio. is it because i can't see auras it's purple is it uh, no so cool. i'm just kidding you're a um, unicorn. no you just you are a unicorn <laughs> yeah well that that means a lot thank you and i'm yeah. so glad that. the universe had our back because we had <laughs> gabby bernstein is, on last yeah. week and yeah. she was also very amazing Love and gabby and she was talking about a trauma moment. I mean, you oh, can yeah. listen to the podcast and she said, if you ask me what's my, what I'm most proud of in my life, career, motherhood, she's like, it's not having a baby. It's not writing seven books in eight years or whatever her stat is. It is overcoming trauma. And she's like, I am not going to let it run my life. She's like, I will be free of it. And she said, it is something her. that she, it came to her in a dream, started in a dream and then Several days later, she was in a therapy session and her therapy therapist said something that unlocked it further. And she spent the last four years like recovering from it yeah. and and figuring out that that was really what was standing in the way of the next part of her career blowing up. Yeah. And I think there are so many people that are walking around with that, but didn't even know she verbalized it. You're confirming it. And it's powerful because I do think when that phrase, get out of your own way, so many people are stuck in their own way. Let's, you know, but let's talk about why. Right. Well, why? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. So, so, and here's where, first of all, Tony Robbins is a friend and mentor and his work is incredible. I know he's had some gaffes in the past year or so, but we're, and, all, we're all human though. But, and, and this guy, like as a practitioner, a facilitator is like one of the best to ever exist. When he does, when you see him do his intervention work, like this dude is up there with Milton mm -hmm. Erickson. You can put him up there with Freud, like whoever, like yeah. he is so good. And who else can move a room of 10,000 people and keep them awake for that? I couldn't do that. So he's amazing. The thing that I would say that I add on to, so I like to think of like passing the baton, if you want to think of it that way, right. like where I pick up, where a lot of the human development stuff kind of leaves off and also in spirituality too, like an idea of like getting in your own way or a limiting belief. There is no such thing as getting in your own way and there is no such thing as limiting belief because here's why. The purpose of your nervous system is to keep you safe. So no one wakes up and says, today I'm getting in my own way or today I'm going to have a limiting <laughs> belief. They only know what they know based on their history and they're doing the best they can in this moment to stay safe because something in their history said, if I do it differently, I won't be safe, right? right? So when we think about like, what is a limiting belief or something that holds it, if we get in our own way, well, another way to contextualize that that's more sort of articulate in context of neuroscience is I'm in a survival pattern, which is a mm -hmm. term that I created that's like, yeah, this is a survival pattern. I'm trying to stay safe. And then we start to realize there's no such thing as a bad response. There's only adaptive responses. Mm -hmm. And so your nervous system is doing the best it can to keep you safe. So when you're in your own way, maybe I'm in my own way from achieving a goal, but I'm also keeping myself safe from an exposure that in the past was hurtful. Right. And so it's about creating safety as we move forward so that I can, quote, get out of my own way. But what happens when people learn the neuroscience of why they stay stuck 
a lot of shame and guilt drops away because they realize I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm right. not a bad person. My nervous system's doing its job. Right. And yeah. I can't like call That's it wrong. That's a relief to understand yeah. that. I can't call it wrong because the nervous system will just buckle in going, I'm not wrong. I'm, you're not going nowhere. Yeah, right. that, shame, <laughs> that shame really gets in the way. Yeah. Oh, big time. Shame is like, it's like uh, carrying an extra hundred pounds on your back. That's right. And especially, I mean, I know, you know, health and fitness, you know, the, the big trauma studies came out of the, the ACEs studies, the so adverse childhood experiences came inadvertently out of obesity studies. Hmm. And there's a huge correlation between obesity and childhood trauma, right? So when you look at like my 600 pound life or just people trying to lose weight, right. you know, I have a lot of trauma from fitness instructors or trainers telling me, oh, you're not compliant with the food plan or whatever. But like when you take away my food plan or we take away my sugar, you're taking away the only thing that sustained me as a kid that gave me emotional nurturance. Right. And so like I gave a talk at the fitness expo back in July talking about to fitness professionals about how to have a more trauma informed approach to meal planning to, you know, even getting people to move in a functional way. And how they respond to that. They laughed. And I also <laughs> said no, like in a good way, they're like, you're so right. And I also said, please don't lie when you count out reps anymore. Like, don't say I have five more left, but you make me do 10. Just tell me I have 10. <laughs> yeah. You know, only five more? I think I've done eight. Like, what is this about? Yeah. And they laughed on that too. I'm right? sorry. I just, sometimes I count really slow. I'm like, 10. Yeah, I've done eight Nine. more. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, guys. I, I have, I'll I have speed up the counting. trauma from counting wrong. No, it's uh. <laughs> But no, like, it isn't an adaptation to keep us safe, right? Wow. And so in the context of what you shared about Gabby, you know, it wasn't safe for her at a time, it sounds like. Right to remember that and right. then she was able to her dreams are where you work out a lot of this stuff right it started to show hey it's time right it's and up then for it was review. the safe relationship with her therapist that made it go deeper that's and that's right. that safety thing it wasn't even the therapist i bet it was how safe she felt with that person yeah right safety that's a really good I, yeah. i'm glad that you uh that you taught us that I, yeah never, i've never she thought mentioned of the same thing when you are when you feel safe yep. Then it's then it will come up for review, yep. and then that's when you can tackle it when you're in that safe space. Exactly. And she also addressed the idea of you know she had some postpartum depression and she actually had to get on a medication, um, an antidepressant, and she's like it. I felt so wrong and shamed and bad about that, but really the medication gave her the power and the safety to mm -hmm. then address it exactly until she could wean herself off of it. But so if you're out there and you need a medication for you know chemical imbalances don't feel bad about it it's your safety button until you can actually get safe that's yeah. right what's your philosophy on medications well so the type of coaching i create is called functional life coaching so first of all i don't do any diagnosis and i don't do medical recommendations in terms of like i don't tell people what to do or not do however i give them lots of questions to ask their doctors mm -hmm. okay. like what what are um, your top five well so the first thing is to understand that like everything has to have a purpose, right? So like, first of all, if I'm going to take a medication like an SSRI or whatever it might be, right? Like I like to go like, for example, to the aiming clinics and get a brain scan. What's actually happening in my, in my brain. I've sent clients to the aiming clinics who are on antidepressants and that specific antidepressant was treating the healthy part of their brain. Hmm. So they switched the medication. They felt so much better because they were actually using an evidence-based approach for what to use for prescription medication. So, I like to think of prescription medication in two contexts. One is either, like you said, there's an acute short-term reason to use it to expand a window of tolerance emotionally or whatever it might be to get through something, which is a great use for it. Um, and then the other one is more, I think of it as prescription supplementation, right? So if someone's on like, I'm on Adderall XR every day because I have three traumatic brain injuries. My brain's not very dopaminergic, has a hard time producing dopamine, stuff mm -hmm. like that. 
So like I take it and it change. I have a qualitative difference in my life. I That's feel the better. time release one, right? Yeah, exactly. I would not do the other one because I feel like I spun out all the time. Right. But like I don't have a qual. I don't get faster per se. I just feel like myself when I'm right. on it, which is Clarity. a qualitative improvement. Which means Adderall is actually for me. Yeah. I'm not trying to like get an ace on a test at the end of the semester right, or something right. like that. So that's prescription supplementation. And what I mean by that is no person has ever taken whey protein or amino acids in a workout regimen and thought the whey protein is going to lift the weights for them or yeah. the amino acids will do the hit for them, right? So like they do that to supplement their workout. So if you're on it long term like I am, it's a supplement for you to do the work, it's not going to do right. the work. So Adderall yes. or Xanax or Benzos right. or whatever Still are not going to be the thing that makes you happy. Right. 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 That makes. I mean, that you're only on your first. Wait, did you? That was your first medication thing, right? We were going to. Yeah. Do we've five. talked about it, but yeah. we're going to do top five. But I don't want to forget where we were because yeah. I tend to like go yeah. all over the place. Okay. Top but, five. Yeah. So what I Questions. what I'm uh, uh, routing around is the fact that uh, when I was an addict. Um, I'll give you my book so you can read it. I was self-medicating. That's right. Because it did not make me feel out of control. It actually put my brain into a sink and a like a I could do everything clearly. I could do everything from start to finish, and I didn't even realize that until after I got sober mm -hmm. that that's what I was doing. That's right. And whether it's addiction or anything, the I think one of the things that helps bring a lot of compassion is that people are doing their best to regulate their emotional state. That's all it is, right? Right. So whether it's heroin, like heroin's not the best way to regulate your emotional state. Like maybe kale might be better, right? <laughs> Who knows? But also kale won't do your interpersonal trauma work for you. Right. So it's a combination of realizing I'm trying to regulate my emotions, which mm -hmm. is hard to do. Mm -hmm. So the, maybe the best strategy has, like for me, was like cinnamon and sugar because <laughs> right. that's what my dad gave me to eat by myself when toast. my parents were gone. Exactly. With so some like, butter. when I get by Cinnabon, I'm like, dad, you know, like that's why. <laughs> right. right. So that's not the best regulation strategy, but it's my default. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I have to find better ways. So with addiction as an example, you have to basically give someone something better to be addicted to. Right. Which right. is why I think a lot of people swap the drugs and alcohol for exercise. Yes. Exactly. Which yeah, is I way better. I often. dove into work. And fitness. Which yeah. is way better, but it also becomes a higher level coping mechanism if you don't do your emotional work. That's right. True. And I think you see a lot, I see a lot of over-exercisers and people that, you know, three classes a day is the norm. I mean, oh, yeah. It's, it, New York is full of yeah. it. And, and they're it's just trying to regulate coping. their emotions. That's right. I think that's a really cool statement. You wake up every day and you're just trying to regulate your emotional state. That's it. Like that's all it is. You're trying to address what, whatever you're going to do that with. Coffee, exercise, sex food right i mean any like it's very it's actually very cut and dry it's very simple and <laughs> yeah. also that's one of the things i've been thinking about with our clients who want to focus on weight loss i said let's not focus on weight loss let's focus on regulating your insulin levels and glucose levels let's regulate your caloric intake let's regulate how you feel about those foods mm -hmm. let's work on adipose tissue regulation mm -hmm. rather than weight loss like who right. cares about the scale mm -hmm. because if you get all those things regulated if you have like a caloric deficit and you have the right amount of blood sugar and it's not too high you're not spiking insulin mm -hmm. stuff like that i bet and if, by the way if we replace it with sweet a sweeter life mm -hmm. rather than sweeter food <laughs> yeah right like things will start to change and we get a lot better long-term results because we take the neurosis mm -hmm. He's out speaking like Sarah Raggy Wellness he right really now. Is, like, <laughs> he really is speaking. Yeah. Maybe we should schedule a I'm call like, do you want to work with me? <laughs> Bastin. Right. Well, because I, I understand what that's like. I, I've struggled with that my whole life because sugar was my mom 
a yeah. lot of times as a mm. kid. So like, you know, you take my sugar away. I'm like, well, fuck you. you yeah. Like, can I say that here? Yeah, you, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, <laughs> fuck you and taking my sugar away. And you're going to tell me to cold, like cold turkey? Like, go fuck yourself. This is the only thing that's ever given me joy. Yeah. Right? And Lucky Charms. Exactly. And, and Coke in the morning. Totally. Right. Which type of Coke? Just... Coke. Like little, <laughs> like, like, no, Coke, Coke. Oh, yeah. Because I used to do Maybe actual that too at some point in your life. <laughs> no, like when I was active, I would snort crushed up Adderall and cocaine together. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, I never That's tried that one. super high. It, it was good. Shoot, why didn't we know each other good. in the 90s? I know. Damn it. <laughs> I always wished we could have another parallel universe where all of us met when we were active. You yeah. Know, it was so cool. Yeah. I was a crazy person. <laughs> you got to read my book. Yes, please. The first hundred pages is really my whole heart, but it's it's very aligned with like your your That's brain, awesome. dude. Okay, so obviously you are on the Way podcast, and one of the reasons why we started this is because we want to expose people to influencers and superstars' ways so that they can learn from what you do, what Masting Kip does every day to make you you, your awesome self. So, like, walk us through. Are you a meditator? Is there an exercise regimen? What are you eating? How long do you sleep? Like all the nitty gritty of the day to day. Like one typical day. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, well, day in the life. I, I think <sighs> the hard part about my life is there is no typical because <laughs> okay. it's, uh, there's a lot of um, so many different like right now I'm in New York doing press and then like this weekend I'll be chilling on the couch in Asheville hanging out or whatever. So it's always very different. But what I will say is I like to focus primarily on the connection between me and my partner. Okay. Because when me and my partner are connected, everything else tends to flow. And when I feel any type of emotional distance, it's my cue because I'm more of an avoidant, right? So I'm like cool with it usually in my history, right? Yeah. So I do my best to try to reorient myself there. And what I found is like the best business hack, health hack, life hack, all the hack, whatever's is if you're in a relationship to like make that work. Because when that works, so many other things are better. Sleep is better. You know, um, you know, your ability to, you know, have health growth and restoration is better. You're actually known. So you're not holding things by yourself. AKA oxytocin release. You For mean? sure. Absolutely. Oxytocin is awesome. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I have to give my friend uh, Charlie credit for that because he's the one who used to always say, girl, you need oxytocin in your life. So <laughs> Charlie, that's for you. Right well, there. and I don't know if you know this, but you can supplement oxytocin through a nasal spray. What? <laughs> Which one? Africa? <laughs> no, like you can like literally, I mean, if you like, you can probably get like a, you know, a DO, you know, osteopath doctor who focuses on anti-aging to give you a oxytocin medicate for, for sure. Wow. No, like I was diagnosed with narcissism and then they said, you never can cure that. And I said, watch me. And this is like <laughs> 10 years ago. And I, the first thing I did was take oxytocin for a year. You know, wow, yeah. I didn't know you could get prescribed oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Not oxycotton. Don't not oxycotton. No, no, very Don't different. Get it Please do not up, put people. oxycotton in your nose. No. That's no. a bad idea. No, I didn't know you could be diagnosed with narcissism. Well, she said that it was basically that, right? Okay. So I was like, and, and then she also said, no one comes back. And I was like, well, I, if I'm going to be so narcissistic to be the first one then, you know. Right. Wait, no one comes back to what? From, well, because the, like, the idea from is being that is like uh, narcissistic personality disorder is like not curable or whatever. What that really means is we haven't found a way to help people feel safe. If they're well, I was going to say that means like as a kid you were like, not given what you needed and exactly. you were not known as you just said. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with a splash of it. Well, oh, a splash, a splash for sure. That's called self-confidence. <laughs> but like when you're so out there that you know, people are just objects and there's no connection. You mean like our current president? <laughs> We're not going to get into that. Well, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a whole other brand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Never quite. There's no, there's no, there is no DSM diagnosis that fits what that is. No, right. I'm scared. Okay. Let's get back to your breakfast. Okay. No, so no, <laughs> no, his relationship. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. So, so if we talk about like the practical day-to-day stuff, 
typically what I do is um, I'll wake up, fasted AM cardio. It's usually not like in high intensity stuff. It's like 45 minutes to an hour at like a 105 or 110. I'll vary it. I have, you know, um, I have a lateral elliptical machine. I have a, a, a regular elliptical machine. I have a Peloton tread um, and stuff like that. And so it's also really fun. That's one of the things I love about Peloton is that like I can co-regulate with an instructor. Like like it's not just me by myself in the mm-hmm. basement or whatever. Um, so I, I prioritize that. Then I fuel up with like a really great breakfast that's like well-balanced macronutrient profile. Usually it's 30, 30, uh, 40, uh, 40 being protein. And then I wait about 90 minutes and then I'll do a training session with my trainer. I have an amazing home gym, like the best gym in Nashville for sure. Great. <laughs> um, I spent a lot of time and all my Amex points over the last four years building it. Good job. Um, and uh, so I'll go in there and I'll train. And then depending on what I'm training for. So if I have a seminar coming up, it's more functional movements mm-hmm. and like, you know, multiplane movements. If it's not, I don't have a seminar coming up anytime soon. It's more like a bulking phase. So we'll do more like really heavy lifts and stuff like that. Then after that, I'll hydrate, have my biggest meal of the day right after that. And then I'll usually do some pneumatic compression where I'll be able to kind of, you know, with my, I have the stuff for my legs and arms and stuff to like mm-hmm. push all that lactic acid out. I love that thing. You and have those things that, that uh, air regulate that go in and out. Is yeah. That what you're so about? it's called Normatec is what I use on my legs and arms and mm-hmm. it pushes all the lactic acid out. It puts, you know, so you have a lot of times with the, uh, both with venous return, but blood's getting to the end of like hands and feet and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It doesn't get there a lot. So you it just kind of flushes You got some NASA shit going out. on in that gym down there. Oh yeah. Oh, big time. Good. Yeah. And then I also have a bed that like rolls out my back, which is really awesome. Um, and then I'm, you know, right into more admin stuff. Um, and, or if I'm not doing admin stuff, I'll be right in my creative stuff, but it's something where I have to use the most important stuff is right. Mm-hmm. Like the, the big problems the team has, or if I'm writing a book, I'll put all my effort into that. And then usually about like four, you know, three-ish, I'll have client sessions for a few hours. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go back to admin stuff. And then I tend to stop around seven o'clock-ish. Um, and then usually like at night, it's like red, like a lot of red light at night for sure. And then uh, for like a sleep type uh, protocol, uh, usually the temperature, I try to get it lower, but we've agreed at 67. Yeah, that's nice. Oh. You got to 67? Yeah, we've agreed. I just but got only my like job to You have a good girl. <laughs> well, I wish it was 60. And Girls will you're not right. Be. Jenna is amazing. Absolutely. But it's still hot. Dude, I'm wow. at a 71. So yeah. Oh, I could oh, not. I'm at 68. I would be divorced. I- <laughs> <laughs> it ain't easy. <laughs> For oh sure. God. For sure. And then. Um, Wait, Sarah, what are you at? 68. You're a 68? Mm-hmm. Wow. We were. Oh, yeah, okay. we've been moving from 70, then yeah. it was 69, then it was 68. And Chris is like, it's freezing. And I'm like, just get under the covers and he then he had night sweats and i'm like well but, who's oh, sweating geez. don't Here. you think oh, that boy. if you think it's too cold you can put more on and they because can put you a blanket can't on. make it like it's not that's like i can right. take more off yeah that's right you know what i mean be like colder. socks on so, buddy that's a thing um, i was gonna say did you sleep in an oxygen chamber maybe that's next <laughs> like hyperbaric yeah <laughs> right sometimes yeah for sure and i also have a whole like i am protocol intramuscular injections so i'll do like glutathione every day oh my mm-hmm. god you are like really uh, amazing like this is Glutathione injections? Yeah, yeah, B vitamin injections. You're Superman. Nervous, nervous you want to compare bruises because I get them every day. Every <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that. Because I love glutathione. When I, I'm the type of guy that's like, I'll just do it myself, like whatever. Oh, I, like, can't. Right? I can't. So like, no, I do it. But I, so I never got instruction on how to do it. <laughs> oh so, God. So so I was like, whatever, I got this. So I did it. <laughs> I didn't even go on YouTube. I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I know what I'm doing, which, right. And I'm like, why does that hurt so much? Anyway, in your butt? So, yeah. You but, can't get the angle right when you do it well, by yourself in the butt. So 
I was like out of town and I usually get like these types of things when I'm at events and stuff. And so a nurse is like, do you want to be in vitamin injection? I'm like, sure. So this is maybe TMI, but whatever. So she started to like do it and she's like, honey, what is oh. all these bruises down uh, there? Oh. And I was like, oh, I just do my own injection. She's like, sweetie, that's like right below, like that's too far down. Like you're like down by your leg, like you're gonna hit a nerve. I go, yeah. is that what that pain was? Oh my God. And so then I adjust, she sh she told me how to do it and now I know how to that's do it. That's so in the funny. Right part. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. so, I can, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it to myself. I'm too chicken. I, and I have, listen, I'm tattooed from head to toe. Yeah. Oh like my God. I have tattoos everywhere. Just get a small gauge needle i mean i have the smallest gauge needle i can't right. do it my pt does it Fair Liz Marin. i can't i did ivf and so i was like oh yeah they, they give you the needle and i'm like honey um can you help me he's like up sleeping i'm well having this baby alone <laughs> ah! get in there Ooh. <laughs> do it by myself yeah. wow but that's the, a busy day dude it, it well and i have a lot of support i don't do it by myself and the cool thing is especially with the glutathione and, and the diet and stuff like that is i just recently got a, a calcium scan for the heart because i get that regularly just to man monitor heart disease yeah. like zero calcium which is awesome, obviously, wow, as an indicator for heart disease and stuff like that. But what time do you go to bed? Depends. Um, usually, hopefully, 10 or 11. And then I've actually been readjusting my schedule because I try to get up early, like 5 o'clock in the morning. And I did that, but my body revolted. Hmm. So now it's usually like around 11 o'clock and I'll sleep till 7, which for me feels like lunchtime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say you're but like a six or seven hour it, sleeper. It's what my body wants. Right. It's what my body wants. So seven wants. feels good for you. Seven, eight-ish. Yeah. Yeah. On yeah. vacation, like, do you sleep more than seven hours? What is vacation? Oh, like? sorry. Right. That... Are you ever off? No, like, I guess if I were to take a vacation, I'd just do what I do now. Because he loves it so much. Yeah, like, yeah. this is vacation. This is fun for like, you. Th what we're doing right now, this is vacation. Uh -huh. Don't you kind of feel like yeah. your job I, is like I you're do. cheating? Well, I just start getting twitchy when I'm not working. Yeah. Yeah, and I like, like start to feel weird. Most people's version of vacation is to go a place that's expensive and full of all kinds of inflammatory oh. foods and stress yourself out with family right. members that you never have unresolved stuff with. Totally. And you come back a week later and you're more tired. And you're like, now <laughs> yes. I need to do a cleanse. Yeah. So yes. if I was going to do a vacation, I would probably go to like a med spa rehab center totally. just to chill. Not nice. to like yeah. come off of something, but right. just to, you know, you look at like equine therapy and like yeah EMDR, that's cool MFT, all that type of stuff like that to me is vacation yeah yeah you know i'm so, so with you yeah. give me a week at we care and i am yeah well, I, I'm, I'm thinking my vacation may be at that seven day boot camp with mass oh that sounds oh, great I mean, that sounds oh, that's that not sounds a, okay but okay but that's not really a vacation you need a vacation you're working afterwards. that's intense you're working through some i know stuff. but like but it's you a come good at vacation. next level it, it is definitely productive use of time for me because i feel like it wouldn't be a waste and i would be growing yeah spiritually mentally physically and that's a good use of my mm -hmm. time. That is true. Yeah, I do think that for me, you vacation has like utility or purpose, mm -hmm. you know? So the way that I do that is more like if I want to go somewhere like Bali or somewhere like that, I'll just go there, but I'll work there too. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's more like an environment change. Yeah, well, then right. you can write it off too. Totally. I mean, for <laughs> us. All I have to do is sign one copy or two or 10 or 20 copies of my book at a Barnes and Noble, and it's like, it's a good write-off. Yeah. That's right. Well, I love your way because it's, you put a lot of focus on how you feel yeah. and like your mind body connection and you clearly need to wake up and kind of move your body, get into your Have body, to. fuel your body. Like those things make you do what you do. And it's so in line with Stacy and I, and yeah. it's really cool because yeah. with how busy you are and on the go, it's so easy to kind of lose those things but and if you don't do them i you're do not... lose them by the way yeah and i get them back faster yeah. but it does but it's apps i can definitely feel a difference yes. between what i do and i don't and the one thing was i know we're talking a little bit of smack about over exercising or whatever but if you're feeling stuck in your life 
exercise is a great thing to do because you can't literally be stuck and move at the same time. Right. Right. So it's like a really good thing to get out of that immobilization response because that's right. a, that's like, Absolutely. you know, we do that to get in defensive mode. And stuff that's like why that. I yes. do moving meditations because exactly. I, I have so many people like, I can't meditate. I can't put my head down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? If you can't close your eyes, watch your feet. Exactly. Like when Gabby good. talks about her meditation pillow, I'm like, I don't have that. Right. Mm, yeah. My Peloton is the closest thing I had to that. Agree. You know? Agree. <laughs> I'm so aligned with you on that. Phone too. This has been so it. fun, yeah. Mass. Will you come so on again? Fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, great. This is awesome, Excellent. Guys. Excellent. So thank you. And yeah. we'll see you soon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Just wow. wow. I, I, I can't even, like, I still have chills all over my body from him being here. And the fact that he reached out to us, his team mm-hmm. reached out to us to come on our podcast is like fascinating. I know, I to feel me. really special right now. Don't you feel known? Yeah, I feel super known. <laughs> I, f- I feel like he, um, what he is talking about and, you know, his whole theory and methodology is something that we all kind of innately know. Right? No, I don't think anybody knows do you, that. Do you don't think people think that trauma is blocking them? No, no. most people don't. I mean, realize they, it. well, they don't address it or they don't think how, realize how serious it is. Yeah. But, you know, he is such a blend, like I was telling him, uh, he's such a blend of Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle, and all the other masters that he named that I can't remember. But he's just yeah. like, he he's like the next big thing. And he's mushy. Like he's, he's he, I such wish you guys could have seen him. He's like six he's four. He's like lovey. And like he like he's lovey and he's big. He's Shrek. He's Shrek. I'm telling you, I just wanted to like jump over the table and hug him. He's just so loving and and lovable. And Mastin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for listening to the way. For more information on brands we're loving and products we mention, check out our website at thewaynyc.com. Yes.